HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash speakeasy. This week on Meet and 3, we're turning our attention to how the global pandemic is impacting our mental health and how food brings us comfort during these times. I've never understood why people have said I'm brave for solo dining. Food can kind of be a source of solace or it can be a source of excitement or an activity to, to keep you busy. When there's a crisis, typically the restaurant industry is one of the industries that springs into action in terms of being like, well, come in, we'll take care of you. Tune in to Meet and 3 to learn more about the psychological effects of COVID-19. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil the rhythm and blues that Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen. What's going on, guys? You know, I was going to say that this, uh, you know, Southern and I have uh, some construction going on right outside our windows this week, so uh, we're going to have to let you do most of the talking, Greg. But uh, <laughs> All right. But uh, I was also thinking before we got on air today that maybe it's just me, but does this seem less and less weird to you, the virtual studio? Are, are you, it really like, have does, you used to yeah. It? Yeah, I mean, we're just adapting and getting used to it. So I think we're we're learning how to not step on each other's lines and 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 be more you know interactive without having to see those physical cues. It's 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 getting easier. I don't know that I'm getting used to it. It's just getting easier. Right. I almost wonder if when we're back in the studio, there's going to be a period of like readjustment where I'm going to have to like wear a blindfold or something. So I <laughs> because like seeing you guys is going to weird me out, and I'm going to totally like freak out and you know. <laughs> not remember what I'm going to say or something like that. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, we are still in our virtual studios outside of multiple windows that we're recording from today. You can hear the wonderful sounds of America roaring back to life. We got some jackhammers in Brooklyn. We have some construction happening in uh, San Rafael, California. It's 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 just a wonderful time to, <laughs> to be alive and be making radio. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, as far as the virtual thing goes, too, um, did you see, uh, I got an email this week or late last week from a 
Bar Convent Brooklyn, and it was talking about how the show's still going on, but uh, it's going to be 100% virtual this year. Did you get that message? I, I actually didn't see that, but that does not surprise me in the least. Um, I, you know, it's one of those, I sort of, I, I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time for when we were going to find out. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the educational advisory board for Barcom in Brooklyn this year, and we first decided to push it back by a month, uh, and then now right. we've made the decision to just make it completely virtual. I'm not sure how that's going to affect uh, ticketing and things like that yet. Uh, I don't know if they've announced that stuff yet, um, but I hope we're going to follow the model that Tales of the Cocktail has now uh, put out there, that they're going to go virtual as well, and all classes and platforms are going to be free. Uh, so hopefully we're going to do something like that, so it'll make the barrier for entry a little bit lower and the attendance a little bit higher, right? You can you don't have to come all the way to Brooklyn. You can be wherever you are in the world, and you can check out the seminars. So yeah, exactly. I, I kind of I love that. You know, it's a little bit more. Uh, it's 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 what the internet was designed to be instead of what it's become, which is you know a sort of cesspool of Twitter trolls. It's this idea of like everyone's able to come together from all corners of the world and learn and grow and participate in something. I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe maybe that's me putting on my rose colored glasses a little bit. But I mean, I see certain advantages to it, uh, Greg. But, um, uh, you know, there's, a, a, I think, the one big disadvantage uh, in which what, what we're also seeing with colleges right now. You guys know my best friend Todd is a professor at NYU. Um, and he's like, well, you know, we're going to have much lower um uh, uh, entry rates for the freshman class because though they can take the classes online, though they can get the education, a big part of going to college or a big part of going to something like BCV or Tales of the Cocktail is the physical networking, the bumping into people and meeting them and, and, and creating those relationships. So I feel that that part's going to be missing, but we're, we're trying to incorporate programming that, that'll, that'll have like a virtual lobby where it's, you're, it's not necessarily a um, a classroom or, or, a, or a talk. It's just a, a place for people to gather on, on the internet and say, and, and have those maybe, you know, chance meetings and bump ins with people. So uh, it's a little rose colored, I, mean, I like, think, but, it, but, it, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's what we have to do right now. So let's make the best of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like really hard to streak the quad, you know, when you're doing it virtually. Um, <laughs> you know, so that, that's, that's a big takeaway from the, uh, the college experience. You know, but also, um, I can't remember exactly what the setup was, but um, wasn't there, like, uh, when we were talking um, a few weeks ago about Tales of the Cocktail, about that being uh, free, isn't that mostly, I mean, it's obviously ticket sales but for some things, but then uh, it's brand sponsorship, right? A lot of uh, brands are like kind of like footing the bill for the presenters to actually get paid, or it, or is it more like a volunteer situation? I'm I'm probably blanking. We've done so many shows that it's all starting yeah, to yeah. Like, I think it's well. I think we're gonna have Caroline Rosen on again to kind of update us, but I think that it's a little bit of both. Um, uh, you know, there's some volunteer aspect to it. You know, since you're not uh, having to fly all the way there and take time away from wherever else you are, which is probably nothing right now. I think you know maybe some of the speakers are taking a <laughs> taking a less uh, you know less of a remuneration than they would, um, and then the yeah the, the brands are covering a lot of it. Um, I'm pretty excited about the notion, especially for Tails. BCB is is big, but it's young. Tails is big enough that I think it'll garner uh, you know a really global audience, especially given that it's free. You know, think about all the people who even get nominated for stuff at Tales and can't make it because they live in, you know, fucking, I don't know, Australia or whatever, like really far away. Um, so I think it'll be, I think it'll be more attended than a normal Tales of the Cocktail and possibly the same for BCB. Um, but it'll be, you know, again, less of that 
personal interaction and networking that, that I that I find to be the sort of core of it for me. Yeah, it's gonna be weird doing Tales of the Cocktail stuff without like going to the Aaron Rose for frozen Irish coffees and, and running into everyone, you know? Five five it's times like, a day, yeah. <laughs> five times a day, yeah. At least. At the very least. But yeah, we'll we'll have to have a version. You know, it would be really cool and maybe we can get uh one of the Irish whiskey brands we've talked, maybe, uh, you know, we were talking with the uh, the Dead Rabbit Irish whiskey uh, last week, and um, maybe we get them to sponsor a, a, a virtual happy hour, and from, like, the, we take a photo of the Aaron Rose and, like, superimpose that as the background, uh, <laughs> a, a, like, on a Zoom meeting, so it feels like we're there. And also, oh, to make it really legit, we can, like, everyone can just, like, turn up the heat in their apartments and houses or <laughs> you're just sweating your ass off and uh yeah like really bring it crank to the, it, you know yeah close the windows and crank the thermostat up to 95 for that authentic new orleans experience yeah, exactly. yeah run your run your shower on hot and let it fog up the place <laughs> <laughs> all right we've all, um, we've all got to make do yeah exactly <clears throat> well hey guys why don't we get into the show today yeah, let's turn our attentions to uh, our guests today. So in our virtual studio, uh, hanging out with us from Washington, D.C., we've got uh, uh, Lauren Paler. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, I usually good. go by just LP making... just to make it easy for everyone. Okay, cool. Uh, well, LP, there it is. Uh, uh, and you're down in D.C., though you're a New Yorker by birth, born in the Bronx, right? Yes. Uh, and, uh, and you have, well, all of us are out of work, but you just started with the... Uh, um, uh, Ryan Cheddarwandia at Mr. Lion in D.C., which opened just barely before COVID started, right? Yeah, Silver Lion opened up in January, so we uh, we were rolling in uh, uh, some amazing cocktails for about uh, two, two and a half months prior to close. Right, and a really highly anticipated bar that, that came along, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure that you had like great success right out of the gates. Um well, let's talk about you a little bit. What, what, you know, I know uh, from your notes that, that you sent us over, you, you, you were in nursing school, and then somehow you met our friend Derek Brown. Yeah. And then your life changed forever. Yeah, I yeah, did. Uh, Brown Brothers can do that to you. Uh, no, uh, so uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was living in the Bronx um, up until 2010 and applied to nursing school in D.C. So I moved to D.C. Uh, finished nursing school um and met derek and tom brown uh probably in 2013 uh i i was a, a regular there's at hogo and the columbia room and the passenger back in the day and i was definitely not 21 but i would go there and you know <laughs> i went there to do my homework and it was actually quite funny because i would always order a mexican coca-cola and a chicken sandwich and then i'd sit there for hours and they were like who is this girl why is she doing the homework at a bar <laughs> And honestly, you know, growing up in a household with eight siblings, I think I just enjoyed the noise in the background and it helped me, uh, you know, concentrate. So I'd say I did that for about six months. My best friend was working at the passenger and I would just go there, do my homework, and then we would go home together. Um, but uh, yeah, I asked Eric for a job one day, totally had no experience. And he, you know, sat me down and he was like, you know, do you want to do you want to work here just because you want a job because you know you can work anywhere or do you want to like learn and inspire people and 
you know, um, increase your knowledge. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that sounds cool. Let's do that. Why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I never would have thought I would have turned into what it is today, but I'm very grateful. Um, yeah, I remember the day I quit nursing and called my parents and they were not happy. Uh, but <laughs> shocker. They, that's a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, seeing where I was and where I am today, they, they understand and, you know, they, they've supported me. So I'm very grateful, um, for that. Well, I mean, Great. all is not lost and we'll, we'll get to it later in the show maybe, but you, you, you started, uh, uh, your own company, right? Uh, called Focus on Health. So I'm assuming you're, you're tying the two things together, right? Yeah, very much so, which is so funny after uh, seven years, finally utilizing that nursing background. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah, so let's talk yeah. a little bit about your, your sort of trail. You worked at the, uh, the original location of the Columbia Room, correct? Uh, yeah, so I, I used to help them out with events, uh, uh, you know, when they had their, like, New Year's Eve party. Anyone who went there knew how that went. And um, uh, so I helped them out a few times there, but I really started at Eat the Rich, Southern Efficiency, and Mockingburn Hill which were Derek Brown's other locations on the seventh street. Um, yeah. They're like all yeah. next door to each other and kind of connected yeah. through the back. And, uh, yeah, we used to call them DB three, yeah. Derek Brown three bars. Yeah. And, J uh, JP Featherson worked there, uh, for a while mm -hmm. too. He worked with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was really so other, cool. The, uh, eat the rich is like a, uh, uh, Sherry and Hamon bar. It's, Freaking oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, I've been there. I, I, I yeah. got to go there. <laughs> yeah, um, so Etheridge was the heavy metal rock bar oh, wait, and with the right. oysters. Okay, Southern right, Efficiency right, right. was the whiskey bar with, like, Southern Comfort Food, and then Mockingbird Hill was the sherry bar with all of the Spanish tapas. It gotcha. Was so good. It's like a little, like, like the highest in, like, mini food court. Uh, yeah, ever. right? <laughs> really, though, the sandwiches were so good. Yeah. Oh, they were fantastic. Why well, had a, a roommate, maybe at the same time you were there, I don't know, who worked around the corner at Right Proper Brewing. So we yeah. would always, always, always wind up uh, getting, because the kitchen was open pretty late it was. at Mockingbird Hill, right? Yeah, exactly. I had so many like midnight tapas and sherry there. <laughs> who was your roommate? It was fantastic. Um, Sean Madden, uh, okay. he actually, he's, st he still kind of works in that little pocket of DC. He's over at all souls now, which is oh, one of my okay. absolute awesome. favorite spots. Yeah. That's our late night spot. We used to go there all the time. That lovely neighborhood bar with their Tecate. <laughs> oh, I know. I love that place. And the you, you would, uh, you guys would all love it on this call. It's, uh, they have a sparkling rosé and maker's mark. Uh -huh. That's their, that's their shot in a beer quote unquote combo. <laughs> I love it. Classy. I you know, I just love D.C. I think it's, like, such a great culinary and drinks town. Um, I never got to go to the first Columbia Room, but I did get to go to the modern one. Um, and, uh, man, it's like, just such a fun experience. Um, but, like, also just, like, the, you know, D.C. has, like, a really cool kind of food and beverage scene that, like, especially coming from Brooklyn to go there it was like all right this is like kind of the same you're like walking down these streets with these, these old brownstone townhouses kind of kind of vibes and like but like it's not as loud and, and like it's yeah. like kind of a, a vacation <laughs> a without thinner. going all that far <laughs> yeah i know yeah and i think that's part of the reason why i ended up staying honestly um you know i moved to dc and i, I remember 
you know, New Yorkers are just, we have so much pride. And I just remember moving and being like, I, well, I'm not, I'm not from DC. I'm a New Yorker. Like that was just, that's just how I was. And, and as surely enough, I fell in love with this city and I can't imagine living anywhere else. And it, I think the community is really what attracted me to it um, so much. But yeah, the bar scene and the food scene here is amazing. So many similarities though. And you really mm-hmm. have dug yourself in. I mean, you worked for Derek Brown at those spots. Then you worked for Kimpton, uh, which yeah. is a hotel group that has uh, several locations there. Uh, then you were at the Dabney with a Michelin star. Yeah. Um, like you really crushed it in, in kind of like all the venue styles, right? Kind of local yeah. neighborhoody hotel and fancy. Um, and then and then now super fancy, I guess, with Silver Lion. Um, what's the prognosis on Super Lion uh, coming back? I mean, they just had opened. Uh, are they confident that they're going to be able to come back? Do you do you have any information about that? Yeah, so uh, we're just waiting for the call. Um, uh, you know, I think it's 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 one of those things you just anything can happen. Um, but to my knowledge, yeah, I'm just waiting for the call, and I'm hoping to get back behind the bar and uh, make some drinks. Yeah, we're all, we all? We're, we're all yeah, we're all <laughs> looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being on either side of the bar. I don't really care. Let's let's, let's get back into action. Yeah. Um, uh, well, this seems like a pretty opportune spot to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to you about your company, Focus on Health, uh, and what you're what you're doing for health and wellness in the food and beverage uh, uh, sector. So, stay tuned for more from our friend uh, Lauren Paler, LP in DC. LP. Cheers. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers, no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com go speakeasy. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have our friend LP from DC. That's easy. That's so much fun. LP from DC. LP DC easy. Yeah, it's easy. Um, yeah, so we've been talking about uh, basically when we were getting to know LP on the first half of the show, and it sounds like you you really found your city and you found your place and like you uh, you're really enjoying it and you're 
keeping busy as hell. That's a, that's to me. That's always the sign of someone really enjoying like where they're at and what they're doing. It's like they're just always busy, and yeah. it sounds like you are or, very you know, much the sign that. of a crazy person. <laughs> that too. <laughs> hey, you got to be yeah, crazy. I'm in, the, I'm, in right? the, I'm in that camp. I think. Uh, yeah. Lauren, tell us. You don't about have to be crazy help. to work here, but it helps. But it helps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Lauren, tell us about your company. It's called Focus on Health, and you started this up with uh, another friend of ours, Alex Jump. Yeah. Um, and you're you're combining, like we said earlier, your your uh, education in uh, healthcare uh, and your career in in bars and restaurants. How are those two coming together? What's yeah. your goal? Yeah. So I actually I, I met Alex in 2017 when we were both little baby brand ambassadors for Bell Mead. Um, and you know, was completely and you know, Alex is just amazing, simply put, right? Uh, so I saw that she had pitched uh, Focus on Health as part of the most imaginative bartender competition. Oops, sorry, my dog is barking. Uh, <laughs> as part of the most imaginative bartender competition, um, and you know, when I saw what she was putting out there, I reached out to her and simply said, you know. I think that we are doing similar things and I'd really love to uh, combine forces. Uh, so, you know, Focus on Health really aims to provide hospitality professionals uh, with tools and resources to better their lives, uh, focusing on this idea of health and wellness and integration. Um, so we, we've created a surplus of programs and, you know, I think the timing was actually pretty appropriate with everything occurring. Um, for this to be a resource that could be heavily utilized by industry professionals. Um, but we've partnered with like Amy Ward, the health tender. Um, you know, we're working with uh, Kate Cavanaugh, who's doing our what's cooking section. We have uh, something called Friends of Hospitality, which is a program that highlights individuals in our industry um, utilizing their pro- platforms to talk about health and wellness openly um, and honestly. Um, and we, you know, we discuss their experience with uh, mental health and what they utilize in their lives um, to cope with it. Um, and, you know, now we're transitioning into more inclusivity and diversity because it is really important. Um, so it's it's been really fun. It's been really fun to see how the idea started off initially and how it's progressed and turned into something completely and entirely different. Um, yeah, but very lucky to have Alex as my partner. So you're touching on mental health and wellness, physical health and wellness, nutrition, it sounds exactly, like. Exactly, yeah. It's a little bit more of a holistic approach. Yeah, and then now even this integration of COVID and everything with like, um, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and there are just so many topics that are relevant, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been, you know, it's it's been uh, refreshing to watch the industry take a more you know, hands-on approach to health and, and burnout, not just, you know, physically, but, but, um, mentally as well. And it's good to see a program that's taking all of that into, uh, into account, especially at a time now when there's so much, you know, there's physical dangers around us, but there's also, you know, the mental danger of like, what do you do if you're someone who has built your life to be busy 60 to 80 hours a week? And now you don't have that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that we saw that within ourselves, we were, um, you know, having difficulties dealing with anxiety, depression, etc. And we, we, we knew that we weren't the only ones dealing with it. So it was really like, if we have this information, um, and we can do the research, why, why don't we share it with everyone, you know? 
Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, what, <laughs> what, what should we do? What's the, uh, what is the, give us some of the secret sauce, some of that information know, you guys right? have. Well, I think it's unique and specific to everyone. So really our goal is to, um, to provide as many tools and resources as we can and for everyone to feel comfortable in their approach on dealing with it, you know, um, working right now on getting um, some therapy resources for people who may not be able to get it otherwise, whether that's just, you know, a consultation, whatever it may be, but that's so important. Um, you know, having open, open and honest conversations about mental health um, and, you know, the dangers that it can provide, talking about systemic racism, um, you know, taking one of our meditation uh, classes, um, you know, simply just integrating a 30 minute workout that the health center creates for us. So there are just so many different ways to approach it. Um, and I think what's important is obviously just finding what works best for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's, yeah, there's no, there's no one size fits all with this kind of thing. And, you know, I've been a pretty vocal about my own issues with anxiety and depression over the past several years. And for me, frankly, uh, what helps is to, uh, eject it all to blurt it all out and get it you know uh, usually up, up about twice a year i've been posting you know these facebook posts that just get it all out of my system that helps me yeah and then absolutely. the res- uh, and then the response that i get from it i see is helping others yeah and then ter- tertiarily that helps me yeah so i, I kind of get helped out twice just by being open and honest about the situation and and the responses that i get are pretty pretty powerful you know people saying thanks so much for coming forward thanks for speaking out thanks you know i feel this too but i didn't know how to say it or i felt afraid and you, you know they say you're a you're you know you're a, you're a, you're an owner and a leader and all these other things so it's great to see that so I, i'm i'm very appreciative of anything that helps with mental health and wellness and i'm certainly probably in need especially during this covid thing of physical health and wellness i uh, I, I keep, you know, I think the joke that's going around is I, I gained the COVID-19 over this thing so far. Yeah. So I need yeah. to get back to some, some, some type of exercise and nutrition regimen. So that's great. <laughs> where, where do we, where does, where does one reach out to, to get a hold of your services through this, through this new company? Yeah, please. Uh, so we have our social media outlet, which is at FO health. Um, otherwise you are welcome to, um, go to our website, which is fohealth.org. Um, and both, have um both will give you access to the programming that we offer and there's so much more happening very soon so please take advantage of it that's fantastic and you've also got uh, a resource that you said you wanted to talk about about things to ask your employer before returning to work which i think is you know as we move on to the next phase of you know figuring things out as we do them in real time because you know there's there hasn't been a blueprint for any of this and the next thing that we're all you know trying having to figure out best practices for on the fly is what to do about coming back to work and you've also got some resources that you know uh professionals can ask their employers as restaurants start to reopen right yeah so uh probably about a month ago um, when everyone was talking about reopening their uh, states, I, I had a moment where I was getting really anxious and nervous. And I was like, why am I, why am I feeling this way? And I realized the root cause was because I didn't really understand what questions I needed to ask so that I felt comfortable going back to work. Um, so I did extensive research over the course of about a week to figure out what those answers are. Um, and what I did was I didn't recreate the wheel here. I just really just took advantage of the resources that are already out there. 
So CDC and OSHA are two really great resources and they have programs specifically for businesses on ways to integrate practices into their uh, you know, playbooks for reopening their establishments. Additionally, and don't laugh because it's a really great resource, I promise. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna laugh. <laughs> McDonald's reopening playbook <laughs> is amazing, but think about it. Well, sure, they've got the resource, right? Exactly, they've... but also people, like think about how many people are constantly consuming fast food. And think about how many locations that they have and how many employees they're responsible for. So their playbook needs to be on point, right? Um, Oyster Sunday has a critical path spreadsheet that I utilized. Black Sheep has a reopening playbook. And then Tobin Ellis has a revival guide. So I utilized all these resources and came up with about 15 points that I think are very important to ask your employer. Um, but it's also important for me to state that I am definitely not the professional. I just utilized their resources. So again, CDC, OSHA, um, and then you know, additional playbooks. Um, so the first question is, do you have a procedure to ensure that employees can commute to and from work safely? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a big one, especially in your, your city, yeah. DC and my city, New York, like yeah. where, every, where everyone's got to get on a train or, exactly. or be in close proximity. Maybe not, maybe not as worrisome a question if you're, you know, in Des Moines, Iowa, which I don't know why, but I always pick that spot to pick on. I've never, I've never been there, but you know, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's probably in a car, you know, that's a little bit different. You're in your own environment, you're in your own little bubble. So, but that's certainly important. And, and you're right, I haven't really kind of given that a, enough thought here in New York. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, even if the employer is not going to be responsible for that, that is something the employee should be considering. Um, so, yeah. The second point is what PPE will you be providing to your employees? Um, and then follow-ups is, what is the schedule for replenishing PPE on site? What PPE will you be providing to the staff when they leave to commute home, if any? So that's just pr protective gear, um, so mask, gloves, et cetera. Right, sure, surely valuable and important stuff, and, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give us, a couple, give us a couple of the other big ones. Yeah, so... Um, Something just to take into consideration are what are the action plans for employees and guests for COVID-related guidelines? And that, that can be a few things, like do you have contact tracing available for staff and guests? What does that look like? Um, you know, what procedures are in place to communicate with the staff if a coworker tests positive for COVID? And will they be trained on like how to deal with COVID and obviously what COVID is, et cetera, right? Um, let's see. Um, I think another important one is what cleaning and sanitizing practices and standards will you be implementing? And then how that responsibility will be dispersed. Um, and then two last points. Uh, what are the social distancing guidelines for staff? And what changes will be made to service to increase contactless options for guests and employees? So those are just a few, um, and that is posted on the website as well as our um, Instagram. If you want to reference that, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to be taking about a look like, as soon as we're done here. <laughs> yeah, there's a link yeah. um, that will bring you directly to the uh, PDF version of it that has access to where you can um, go directly to those playbooks and CDC OSHA sites, etc. So yeah, I was. I was wondering about like social distancing between like, or, like staff distancing too. It's like, it's, yeah. it's so hard because like we work in tight, especially behind the bar and in the kitchen, you know, it's like different when you're out yeah. on the floor, but like 
in the actual work, like the, the production zones, it's like, it's impossible. You can't really be like, I know. You can't say you can't say behind or corner loud enough to like yeah. ensure six, that six, like, six feet behind. I'm six feet behind you. Yeah, like what are you gonna say? And, and through a mask, you. like you said, like through a mask is a, a difficult one too because like I I I mean I you know outside of having construction noise at, at my house right now, playing music my entire life and working in loud bars, it's like my hearing's not great anyway and. I can yeah. barely hear people without a mask, you know? That's exactly it. But also, some people just are already quiet without having a mask on. Um, yeah. yeah. There are just some things to consider, for sure. I think that's a great point. I think there's a lot of variables involved that, you know, like, I know that we have a lot of, air quote, uh, civilians, you know, that listen to this show that are that are not in the industry. And I, I really, I love the fact that we have so many people that are interested in what we have to say and the people we interview on the show. But I think there's like, I, I kind of still wish that there were more consumers that listened to and, and read articles about stuff from like our industry. And like, you know, it's our, yeah. it's our job to hide all that stuff. And, you know, like we're the bar and the restaurant, these are places of some level of escapism for customers. And, you know, we have to hide all the things. It's hard to, it's hard for people to understand when, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit on the show recently uh, about, you know, like when, as bars start to open up, it's like people are, a lot of consumers don't really, a lot of customers don't really understand. They, they just see an open door and they're like, all right, everything's back to normal. And they don't really get what's the procedures and the kind of like protocol of what needs to be done to be safe in these situations. Right. So we're we're going to be walking, we're going to be walking like a tightrope of, trying to deliver what, what it is we do, which is hospitality, without also revealing too much of how the sausage is made, because I think that people don't necessarily want to see that part of it. They want to come in and have a right. convivial, fun time, and that's what we want to deliver. But at some point, there's going to be a crossover where it's got to be like, hey, look, this is why this is happening this way. And we have to do that in a way that's informative and hopefully maybe even make it fun and interactive, I think. Yeah. That's, that's I, my know, goal, I was, anyway. I've checked out of, like... My girlfriend and I have been like looking around at houses and, you know, every time we go to look at a house, you have to sign a, a waiver, a COVID waiver before you go and check on the house. It's to pre- protect you, but also to protect the, the homeowners and the real estate agents, all that stuff. I Like, I wonder if it's like, man, is it at that point we need to have like, you know, like a waiver sign at the door? Or can you even legally do that? I mean, it's not yeah. even really just to protect... <laughs> You know, it's even funny not, you not say right. That. I mean, I mean, they have them but at amusement me, parks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, to contact me, tracing is really the most important part, right? Yeah, you can use and, reservation systems for that. Yeah, but like to me, it's like more more than that. Even it's just like to just like reinsure, reinstate awareness of the fact that this isn't over yet. You know, so like when people go in, they're like, "All right, I'm taking a risk being here. Things aren't back to yeah. normal, and I acknowledge that." You know, like that to me is more important than, well, it's maybe not more important, but it's it's of equal importance as is like everything else, every other uh, cautionary procedure. You know, like I don't know, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept to think of, though. And I, I mean, I'll be very honest in saying I don't know that I am comfortable even going back to work. You know, like I don't same. know. If, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. It's. It's. I have to be honest about it. It's, and it's nothing that they are doing it's just i don't know if it's worth i don't know if it's worth the risk to me if i and the, the the very fact that you just said 
if somebody has to sign a piece of paper saying that I know that I'm taking a risk by stepping into this place, is it really worth it? <laughs> yeah, it makes you think <laughs> think twice about it. You know, I right now all the places around like Marin County where I live, uh, a lot of, and I know that a bunch of places in in New York are doing this too. Um, for instance, my bar, we started. You know, we we already had like benches and stuff outside, so people can get take out stuff and sit there and have their cocktails and have their food and stuff uh, but what's happening here is like a lot of the places have uh started building out like sidewalk cafe areas that like never had them before but now they can do it and you know they're reopening that way first and i have i have gone to uh two or three of them so far mainly just to well you know obviously for one major part is just to feel nor- somewhat normal again, but also I know that like these are some of my some of my friends and their places that they work and own, and I want to support them and make sure that you know like if they're back at work that they're you know that it's worth their while and like they they and also just like a mental and like emotional state of mind you know like you know not being able to see like your your bar and restaurant regulars you know and and not being able to go to these places like it's like it takes a big toll on you so i've been doing that in sport but you know i i I don't think i'm ready to go inside a place yet for sure and i don't think i will be probably for a long time it sucks because like you know i definitely want to be there but like we're not we're not lucky enough to have like you know especially in new york and most of dc um we're not lucky enough to have places that are giant cavernous halls of of booze and food to where you can actually like distance people i mean not every bar in not every bar is uh jack rose tavern right (laughs) they don't have like a fucking football field (laughs) of tables and and bar stools um but but yeah you know even if that were the case i don't know if i'm ready to do it personally as a customer even you know i just yeah i mean damon as a a business as a business owner, you and I, I don't, I don't know that I'm. I see the value or worth in opening the bar back up until we can allow 100% again. Until oh yeah, you know, you know until the restrictions are lifted to 100%. I don't know that opening at 50% is valuable enough to me, to the bar, or to my employees. Will they, will they make enough money at 50%? I don't think they will. So I don't know as we approach those you know restrictions being lifted what our exact plan is yet we're we're taking it minute by minute day by day and reevaluating as we go uh, and also way that I'm, in works. Same, I'm, I'm in the same camp with you i don't know that i'm super willing at this point to go into a business if if they're at 50 percent capacity i don't know that it, that's a place i want to go yeah the only way it's working right um, now for grand army is that we got a ppp loan and so like the same. staff isn't so dependent on actually making the wage that they made before it's being like you know it's being supplemented with an extra amount from you know this loan so they're they're you know the risk is going off of unemployment and then like making less than unemployment right so right exactly it's but like and and not every business got those loans so you know it's like yeah i get it it's like it's you don't really want to go back to operational like normality until you can ensure that your staff is being taken care of because exactly my biggest fear of course is is for my staff yeah um let's get back to lp sorry we got a little derailed there (laughs) Um, i love it no no i mean this shows about you too i have a couple questions for lp actually so we're talking about all this stuff we're talking about like being shut down in covid and and everything that's going on now 
what was your like go-to thing? I mean, because we were talking about some serious stuff. Let's kind of lighten it up a little bit for a second. What was your go-to thing? Like, what, like, say, like, you know, like Brad Thomas Parsons' last call book. You know, like the the place you went for like food or like a park that you went to go decompress or like an activity. Like, and how has that changed? I'm talking non-work related, by the way. Like, just like yeah. things you do for yourself, and then like. How has that changed? Have you been able to continue doing that or adapt into a different thing that you do now? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I would say that I, I had just integrated a really great routine of going to the gym every day prior to this oh, for wow. like a three month streak. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> for like a three month streak, but I was really proud well, of it. Well, it's been a great show today. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I was really proud of myself because I, I felt like I was able to finally balance work um, and working out and, um, you know, make like I was food prepping. It was great. And then I think transitioning into quarantine in the beginning, it was really hard for me. And I think we all kind of felt that because it was it was like an unknown and it was very difficult to to first of all, to maintain and to find a routine. I was like watching TV all day, snacking on my Doritos. And this was like every day for a week. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend was like, what is going on? Are you OK? You know, um, and then slowly but surely, I I found um interest in things that I hadn't been able to do for a really long time. I used to play guitar and, you know, I picked up the ukulele in the house and I started playing that. And, um, I managed to, <laughs> I managed to convince my boyfriend to, uh, allow, you know, me to get some plants. So I'm taking care of those. We got a puppy. I've like redecorated the house. I'm cooking all the time. So, you know, I'm doing things. Um, definitely not working out as much or at all. <laughs> you're, work, you're working <laughs> in, not working out, working in. Yeah. And then doing all <laughs> this programming for focus on health. So I think what I realized is that I really enjoy being busy and I really love stimulating my mind. I've been reading as well, which is great. And I've, I, I've been able to find comfort and, um, and doing these new activities, which is great, you know, and, and in some capacity have even been able to develop a routine. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm able to take advantage of these things because I know I would not have been able to do them otherwise. There's no way with my work schedule and working out, which I barely had time for before. I mean, sometimes I couldn't even shower, <laughs> you know, like um, <laughs> that I would be able to do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this time to do things that I really enjoy doing. Well, this time has also given us all a lot of opportunities to do some things that we, we maybe weren't focused enough on. Uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about sort of the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's powerfully important, and I think we're living through a, a time that's going to be quite historic. But I also feel that, frankly, if it weren't for COVID, I don't know that this movement would have uh, taken on such traction. What do you... What are your thoughts on that uh, and, and what's going on in D.C. regarding that stuff? Yeah, I kind of absolutely agree with that. I think there's a lot of idle time. And with that, there is motivation to um, for the people who really are on the side of the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement to get engaged and to, you know, to speak up and to speak out. And, you know, I'm I am 100 percent an advocate of you have the right to engage in this matter as much 
um, as you want. And that could be publicly, that could be in the privacy of your home. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable topic to discuss, even for me. Like, it is. Well, yeah, but that, this is this is what makes change. You know, Absolutely. growth is um, growth and change are both uncomfortable things. So Absolutely. it's time. It's time we got comfortable with being uncomfortable. You Absolutely, know? Uh, and that's it and, right there. And you, as a as a black woman, even in our field, right of F and B, the systemic racism that I'm sure you've faced throughout your career, or even in the career that you chose before this, when you're going into nursing, I'm sure. Uh, or even your general life in the Bronx of New York as a, as a young person, I'm sure you've seen this all your life, every day. So your your discomfort uh, has been a lifelong thing, and Absolutely. maybe maybe the discomfort that the nation is feeling right now is new. So it's maybe more awkward discomfort. Yeah, um, but we got we got to get into it, right? I believe so. Yeah, I, it's it's I I've been posting uh, personal experiences on my Instagram, and <clears throat> and it's it's been interesting because I think. In many ways, I find it therapeutic, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier. And what I've noticed about, you know, COVID and um, Black Lives Matter movement is that a lot of people are a lot more comfortable posting and speaking up. And I think what that does in a way is it, it, it allows other people to see, you know, oh, it's okay if I speak about this. Nobody, nobody will judge me. And if they do, what does it really matter? Because I'm doing this for me, you know, you know, I'm doing this for the cause, right? Uh, yeah. and, uh, what I've found personally is that a lot of people have reached out to me and said, you know, thank you. Cause I learned something or thank you. I didn't realize this is what your outlook was. Or, you know, some people have, have messaged me and not been very nice about it. But, um, unfortunately it's one of those things where you just got to keep moving forward and you can't let those people stop you from doing what you think is right. Right. Um, absolutely. It's a powerful time. And I think it's an amazing thing to, to, as I said earlier, to to think that I am living through like a moment in history that will more than likely be in history books, and and it's just it's so powerful to think that you know my family and my ancestors were doing something very similar um, in the past, um, and that you know by speaking up and speaking out and having these conversations that are very awkward to have, that I am making a small change, you know. Um, yeah, I'm very fortunate I, I, to have people that support me. Yeah, I agree that those changes are incremental and small, but I think that this movement and this time, and again with the, uh, with the the pandemic being right on top of it, the needle is not just moving a little. I think the needle is moving yeah. an incredible amount. I can agree with that. I think I think it is. I think it is, and I I'm grateful for the timing. I think I. It's unfortunate everything that has happened. It's like so heartbreaking. It's so saddening. I mean, I've had I've had really bad days over the last couple of weeks, and um, they've only allowed me to be a lot more motivated to speak up and to donate and to share posts and you know to create this programming that we're doing because it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So I I I kind of want to know on a personal level how does it is you mentioned that like, you know, you're sharing some, some stories that you've obviously been accruing for your entire life and you know, it's, it's uncomfortable, but is there a sense of, I don't know, I don't want to say release cause that sounds trite, but kind of yeah. like a sense of letting go of being able to finally, you know, it's like setting the doves free and now they can yeah. live, you know, you don't have to keep them in your house. They can fly out there. You know, it's interesting. Cause I think that now that I, I'm I haven't really thought about it, but now that I am, it's, it's not forced. It's not like, a, oh, well, I have to put a post up today. It's very much, you know, I think I'm at peace 
with this aspect or this part of my life or this experience. And I think that writing it and posting it for me is very much, um, I am comfortable with this information being shared. And I think it's important that people know it, you know, um, which is actually quite interesting to think of now that we're like talking about this out loud loud, because I never really thought about it that way. Um, Yeah, it's and it's been really interesting topics. It's just been like uh, my experience with the food and beverage industry and like the the things that I've encountered. Um, I mean, quick story, but I once went into a a well-recognized wine bar and met up with a group of my white girlfriends and was leaning on the bar and, um, you know, five minutes passed by, a bartender came up to me and instead of taking my order, which I thought he was going to do, he asked my friends, hey, is she bothering you? Are you okay? And it was so weird. I was like, wait, what? I'm just standing here. And, you know, it was just so awkward because I was so excited to be at this bar and, you know, and it, it, it's disheartening in many ways, but also people who haven't experienced that don't don't necessarily think that these experiences occur. Not that they doubt that they occur. It's just that they have never firsthand, like experienced them firsthand, right? Um, sure. Can you maybe elaborate as much as you can on yeah. what was what was the reaction of your friends? Yeah, a uh, lot of them were just like, whoa, I am so sorry. And they shared it. Like, I've, I had people messaging me like, this is not true. And I was like, okay. And then I had people messaging me saying, you know, I've had a similar experience. Or like, shit, I felt that so deeply in my heart. Or like, thank you for sharing. Like, it just so, it just a surplus of reactions. And um, again, I posted this as a this is just how I feel, not really expecting anything to come from it. But it's, it's really, I'm, I'm glad to know that people are having the ability and opportunity to have a better understanding of the experience, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, the, it's people coming forward and being candid about things that, that shed light on stuff that maybe, you know, we wouldn't have. I don't, I can't, I, I, I can't say uh, that I've ever been in a situation like that personally. No one's yeah. ever treated me in that way. But I also can't say that I've ever been uh, in a room uh, where that happened to someone in my periphery. Like if I was one of those friends you were with, I, I haven't been with someone that that's happened to. Exactly. So. But to hear that it happens makes, uh, you know, a reaction inside of me say like, what the shit, you know, uh, yeah. that's, that's not how things are supposed to be. Yeah. And to think, you know, an industry that I have come to love so much. And I, I mean, I think a lot of it really is that, uh, these, these biases occur unintentionally most of the time. Um, and that doesn't necessarily make it right, you know? And I think that it's really important that we are reading and that we are um, trying to understand um, these things that occur uh, and how we we have a big part in ensuring that they don't continue to happen, right? Um, yeah, so this is an industry that I love and care about a lot. So I want to, I want, I want to make it a safe space, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the only and the only way we can do that, the only way we can try and ensure that, is that we we speak up when we see things, and we we absolutely uh, we make it known as quickly as possible that that's not a not a thing that we're going to accept in our in our very accepting spaces. Like exactly. that's what we're going to be very accepting, but there are obvious lines. So you always have to have a line somewhere, and and these lines are simply based on uh, values and morals. Uh, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, feel free to check it out on Instagram at LP Drinks DC. There, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff there, and 
Um, I think I think it's important. I do. I do. Uh, it's highly important. And I thank you for sharing that with us. And I thank you for sharing it with the audience too. LP Drinks DC is your Instagram handle yeah. where people can, can follow your stories and, and see what it's like to, to live in Washington, DC at this time. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible stuff. And I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This has been great. I, you're such an awesome person. You, you're smart and you're chill and <laughs> and I like oh my gosh, I like smart that. chill people. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, I love that. But yeah, it's been awesome. Like uh, having you on, vibes. Uh, on the show today and talking about all the different things we talked about. I cannot wait to come out and visit you in DC. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite cities. Um, and I, I, you know, I I try to get there as often as possible. It was a lot easier when I lived in New York. But uh, you know, I'm about to twist off and like go on the craziest road trip <laughs> as soon as i'm <laughs> able to i'm probably not gonna fly but i like the road anyway so um love it so yeah i'll come out and visit you out there and i think maybe uh these guys can visit uh come meet me down there and we can have a good time oh that'd be so great i would love absolutely that. yeah when awesome. things are back operational i would love to come and see uh the you know the new space uh silver line uh, silver dc line. from ryan cheddar from ryan cheddar one you see you behind the bar uh, meet you face to face. We 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 discussed off air that we think we met once at the old Columbia room. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, but but we're we're both kind of unclear. Maybe we were both drinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know how. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> yeah. At a bar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, what a pleasure having you on. Thanks for uh, spending your time with us this afternoon. Um, and uh, really really great to have you on. So let's go over it again really quickly. Focus on health. Uh, where can we find that? Uh, at ohealth.org and at fohealth on Instagram. So fo focus on health. Uh, cool, that's great, and we'll follow you at uh, uh, Lauren Drinks DC uh, on your Instagram as well, and check out your personal stories too, which are pretty poignant and valuable at this time, uh, especially. It's LP Drinks um, DC. Oh, sorry, LP Drinks DC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and hanging out with us. Uh, that's all I've got. Damon, Greg, you got anything yeah, else? That's it. Um, I do I do have one question, and it's a stupid one. Were you <laughs> at the last night of the old Columbia Room yes! in D.C.? I yes! I was there, I too. We met. <laughs> that I, we were trying to figure this out for, like, weeks before you were on the show, and I think that was where it was. You see? This is how uh, it goes. That place. Exactly. So many memories, but you know. <laughs> I God, that was that was. I worked until about two thirty in the morning that night because it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, Crazy time. I worked until about two thirty in the morning. I had to be back at work at noon the next day. Oh. We were at the Columbia Room until I don't even remember. All I know is that I didn't have time to change or shower or anything before I went back to work the next day. And while we're in the Uber, as we're pulling away from my apartment at the moment where it's too late for me to do anything, my roommate looks at me on the way to work the next day and just goes, you are covered in glitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a good part. So that, oh man. It's what a relief that was bothering me for so long where I we met before. I can't wait for the reunion, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that thank was, you for having me. Of course, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Yeah, yeah this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, well, hey, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out heritageradionetwork.org for more fantastic shows just like this one. Uh, I also want to point out that it is their uh, summer uh, fundraising drive right now. So uh, go on there. You can find out how to get a fantastic bandana from Heritage Radio Network that features the all-seeing pizza eye logo, which I am a huge fan of, uh, as well as some other fun stuff. So check that out. Uh, donate, support the station, and as, as you're able and check out more great radio uh in the meantime that's it for us gentlemen yeah and uh, until next time on the speakeasy yeah cheers cheers, cheers guys thanks cheers, everybody bye so you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load knows that country music's gonna save your soul the speakeasy is powered by simplecast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.